Hello and welcome to our nightly broadcast. It is good to be back with you all and uh, you can see me but I can't see you but I know you're out there so that's good to know. We are here tonight to talk about our theme of parables but before I get to that I would like to point you to newrqpc.info where and I'm featuring tonight a little card on there called upcoming events. We keep telling you the same thing over and over again. So I'm going to try to highlight something a little different each time. Tonight is the upcoming events card. There is a list of everything we have going on. If you click on that, you can see events listed. And then if you click on the event, you can get links, descriptions, everything you need, uh, Zoom info, all of those things. So go out, go over and check out the upcoming events card at newarkupc.info. As I said, we are doing a theme this week of parables. Now, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. Uh, you may have heard of Aesop's fables with like the tortoise and the hare, that kind of thing. The parables are almost like that, except fables use, uh, use animal characters to tell their stories and parables use people characters, but they're similar. And the, the point is to teach a point. So there's always a lesson to, uh, to a, a fable or a parable. Uh, they generally aren't true stories. They're made up stories to teach a point. We have in the Bible record of about 40 parables that um, Jesus told. He told a lot of parables. And he did so in order to separate those who had ears to hear what was truly being said. Whereas Aesop's fables usually end with uh, the, the point, right, set out, uh, slow and steady wins the race, for instance, with the tortoise and the hare. Sometimes Jesus didn't tell us exactly what he meant by the parables. And if you go back and study it, it becomes kind of obvious. Sometimes he would tell his disciples afterward what he meant. But um, the, the parables were, were meant not to necessarily be real obvious what they were. But if we study them out, we can learn some really great points. Uh, there are some other parables in the Bible besides Jesus. For instance, when Nathan was confronting David about his adultery, he used a parable of a poor man who had a lamb. You may be familiar with that parable as well. So tonight we're going to talk about the parables, two parables, of the hidden treasure and the pearl, sometimes called the pearl of great price. If you go with me to Matthew 13, 44 through 46, and this is in the NLT, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like, now he, Jesus told a lot of the kingdom of heaven is like. So this is one of those. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, here's the second parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So these two parables 
they're telling two different stories about two different people. But if you look at them closely, you see that they are one lesson, which is what we're going to try to get out of it tonight. So first we'll deal with the parable of the hidden treasure. Let's read this first parable. It's just one verse, so we can read it pretty quickly. Read it again with a slow read uh, from Matthew 13, 44 again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he doesn't dig it up and run away with it. He hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So let's talk about buried treasure first. Buried treasure was a real thing in the Bible, biblical world. Um, there was no secure banking system. There was no FDIC. There were no insured deposits. If you put your money in a bank and the bank failed, you lost your money. So uh, we do have people hiding money in the ground to secure it. If we, if we look at Matthew 25, 24 and 25, we, uh, this is another parable, but it's a parable of the three servants with the, with the uh, talents as the KJV calls it. But then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Here's the part that I want to bring attention to. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So this was actually kind of a secure way to keep your money from getting stolen or lost or, or this kind of thing. At least you would have your money at the end of it. In this story of the, of the three servants, the one bag of silver that was buried was worth about 20 years worth of daily wages. So this wasn't a $5 bill that he buried in his backyard. This was a lot of money that he had buried to keep it safe. It's today's money at, at about minimum wage, it would be about $300,000. So his way of securing $300,000 was to bury it in the ground. We wouldn't think of doing that today, I hope. If we do, then I wanna come find the treasure in your field. But anyway, this guy buried it to secure it. Uh, the Copper Scroll, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls, gives locations of buried treasures, probably hidden in expectations of the Romans coming. So this was something that was done. People buried treasure. Perhaps this guy who found it, I don't know who he was. The parable doesn't tell, and I guess we don't really need to know. But he stumbled upon it accidentally. Perhaps he was an employee taking a lunch break under a tree, eating a sandwich in the shade. Perhaps he was a trespasser, maybe an allowed trespasser, but a trespasser nonetheless, taking a, a rest. I always think of it under a tree, but uh, taking a shortcut on his way from Dan to Beersheba, for instance. Maybe he was a, a traveler that just um, was just sitting there resting and he notices something sticking out of the ground or maybe he stumbles and trips. The rain has washed away some of the soil and, and he trips on something. So he digs at it and he finds a treasure chest full of gold and jewels. So now he has a decision to make. He can steal it, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to get it lawfully. So he buries it over again. I imagine him covering it up with, you know, some kind of camouflage, maybe some leaves or 
or uh, some sticks or something to, to make somebody else not come and trip on it, maybe. He finds out the owner. He goes to the courthouse or whatever the equivalent was at that point. Uh, and he finds the price. He asks the price of the field of the owner. And then without telling the owner what he's found, he sells everything he has down to his last bag of barley. And that is just barely enough to buy this field. He doesn't have anything left. He sold everything he has to buy the field, but he knows that within the field, there is buried treasure, literally. And the Bible says he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Now he has nothing. He has not a zilch. Just the clothes on his back and they're his worst set. He sold his good stuff on Facebook Marketplace to get money. Except now he owns the field and the treasure. So was that a good deal? Would you do that? Imagine, let's bring it forward a little bit. Imagine you had the chance to buy a piece of property for maybe a little more than list price, especially in today's market. And you get the property. Plus, you know, on the property, there's a buried chest with, uh, imagine the things in the background, uh, like $500 million buried and it's tax-free. But you have to sell everything. You have to sell your car, your tools, your house, your computer, your Nikes, your dishes, your phone, your hairbrush, your last can of soup, everything to buy this, this piece of property and you're left with nothing. You're homeless and destitute except you have a piece of property with a chest full of treasure on it. Would you do that? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down if you have your phone nearby. Would you, would you sell everything to buy this piece of property that um, you know has $500 million buried on it, tax-free? Let's just make it tax-free. So now let's go on to read the second parable. This one is a parable of the pearl. And it's again from Matthew 13, this time verses 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. In the biblical world, pearls were exceedingly rare. There were no, I don't know what you call them, I guess cultured pearls or or farms where you have oysters and you put sand in them and you get pearls that way. They didn't do that. They, they had to just find an oyster in the sea or wherever that had a pearl in it. And the chances of that were very, very slim. They didn't have any good synthetics, you know, costume jewelry, whatever you want to call it. They, they didn't have much of that. So when we talk about a pearl, it's something that was very, very rare. He didn't have, for instance, Barbara Bush wearing a whole string of them. You know, um, it wasn't common at that point. So this guy that we're talking about was a pearl merchant. If, if he was a pearl merchant, he probably was more upper class than this first guy because he had to have resources to be 
a pearl merchant and buy and sell. Think of like a diamond merchant or a real estate mogul or an oil magnate. So he was probably a more wealthy dude than the first. Like the guy who bought the field, he sold everything he owned and bought the pearl. Well, this story is a little bit different. This merchant, what could he do with this one pearl that he could look at it and could show it off, but he only has the pearl. The guy in the field, at least, he could sell one diamond tennis bracelet and keep the rest and, and still have a good value uh, and have something to live on. Well, this actually seems a bit foolish. Imagine you find on Facebook Marketplace something bigger and better than the Hope Diamond, which is probably the most valuable diamond in the world. It's worth about $250 million. You can go look at it in the Smithsonian's Museum of Natural History. But to buy this thing, this, this uh, diamond, we're gonna call it a diamond because we're more used to diamonds being worth something. To buy this, you have to sell everything you have. Again, everything which is a big deal, but still it's, it's a, it's a great pearl, but then you're going to have nothing again, car, tools, house, computer, Nikes, dishes, phone, uh, hairbrush, last can of soup, everything. And you're left with nothing. You're homeless and destitute, but then you'll have this diamond or in our story, this pearl. Imagine you can't resell it. You'll just have to keep it but you'll have the biggest and the best diamond in the world. Would you do that? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Give me a response if you have a device nearby. Would you do it? You would have something worth millions and millions of dollars, but you would only have the thing worth millions and millions of dollars. This selling everything to gain godly things is not a new idea to Jesus listeners. We get this story of a rich man wanting to know what he must do to achieve eternal life. And uh, Mark 10, verse 21 says, Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The Bible says, the young man went away sad because he had great possessions. He gave it a thumbs down. So you, whether you were looking for it or you stumbled across it, have found the kingdom of heaven. It's right there in front of you. And all it costs is everything that you have. So will you sell everything and buy it? It's a choice. Thumbs up or thumbs down. But in reality, for you and me, it's not a one-time choice. It's an over and over everyday choice. Get up in the morning to going to bed at night, it's thumbs up or thumbs down. Every day, I choose to sell it all and buy the treasure, or I don't. I choose Jesus and the kingdom of God, which is like unto these things, or I choose my own self, my own way, my own control, my own house, and my own can of soup. But what about my needs? I need these things. If I buy this pearl, if I buy the kingdom, if I buy the field, I lose control. 
I lose all of my security, or at least I feel like it. My only security is God. I might not even have a house or a can of soup. What good is a pearl if I can't eat? But the choice is a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I'll close this this part of the session with what Jesus says about it, because surprise, surprise, he says it better than I could ever say, say it. In Matthew 16, uh, start with 19. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths rust, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Skipping down to 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The answer to that is no. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care about you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, buy the kingdom of heaven, buy the pearl, buy the field, sell everything you have, give away all your control, all of your security, and buy the kingdom of heaven. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your provisions. And God, I have trouble trusting you. I have trouble selling out. I have trouble giving up what I want and what I think I need. But God, help me to make the choice daily, hourly, on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, and help me to choose to sell out, to give it a thumbs up, and to trust you with my life, with my security, and with my control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to close with a song that uh, my tech help is going to play. But first of all, I want to tell you thank you for joining. If you have any prayer requests, if you want to get baptized, if you want to join with us in giving information about our small groups, you can find that all in newrqpc.info. Tonight is small group meetings for those of you who are, have Tuesday night groups. And to, if you are interested in joining, you haven't joined a small group, but you would like to, 
go to newarkupc.info, click on that upcoming events card, and you can find all the information you need right there. So I hope you have a great evening, and we're going to end with a song. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>